Blog Talk Radio. Monday night. It is Attitude Era Live Night, and we are here on 89.1 Ken's FM. With me always is Granny Hulkster. How are you? I'm doing well, Icon. Thank you. And we have uh, with us Matthias. I think I got his mic uh, turned up. Absolutely. Here I am, ready to party. Let's do this. All right. Um, oops. Say that again. All right, can you hear me? One, two, check one, two. We hear and hear? Gotcha. Yep. Perfect. I can hear okay. you. All right. So, everybody, uh, we have a, uh, you know, we have a big show tonight, just like we do every night. And, um, well, let's just say that uh, we're here and we're going to have a good time. Uh, we have a big show tonight. Uh, we have uh, three big guests. Uh, I'll just go rattle those off right quick. Uh, we have Jack O'Halloran with us. We have uh, uh, Carmen Beck with us, and we have Stephen Flam with us. Uh, and uh, he used to be Tiny Tim's manager, Ooh. and uh, he promoted the uh, promoted. He produced the uh, that segment with uh, uh, Tiny Tim and Jerry Lawler, where Jerry Lawler broke his ukulele. Oh no! And we're going to be talking about that. So uh, we're here. We're having a good night. Uh, let's just talk about a few things. Uh, Granny, first off, uh, your Chiefs uh, um, had a rough go this weekend, but uh, they, they they didn't get blown out. I thought it was going to be a blowout at the beginning of the game, 
but it didn't end the way that uh, you wanted it to. So uh, how are you feeling after that? Well, you know, it's it's okay. I mean, I'm I mean, yeah, I'm disappointed, but I am a loyalty fan. I like I post on my page like I did last week and I did it this weekend. You know, I will always support my Chiefs, win or lose. I will always the Chiefs are my team. And you know, I have to be a good give a big kudos to Patrick Mahomes because I was reading an article earlier today. Touchdown Raiders! Big swing. I hate the Raiders. You know that. But as I was saying before, <laughs> the red by that nasty sound effect. You know, Patrick Mahomes. You know, he took part of the blame for the loss this weekend. You know, and that says a lot for a quarterback that is so young, like Patrick Mahomes is. I mean, he's part owner of the Royals. He's, I mean, he's got a 10-year contract with the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, I, I, I mean, you know, the Chiefs just need to, you know, relax, take some time off, and just focus for, you know, September when football starts back up in the fall again. You know, they're gonna, they're, they're, they're gonna come back. They're gonna get back in the Super Bowl again one of these days. Sure. I would have liked to have seen him, you know, got in there. But, you know, hey, it is what it is. I'm, And, you know, these people that are say that they're Kansas City fans, but yet they gripe and they complain and they whine about everything, about the rules or whatever, you know. Hey, people, it's a game. Somebody's going to win. Somebody's going to lose. Yes, like I said, I was sad they didn't win. But, hey, they tied it up. They went into overtime. You know, they just didn't get the touchdown like they needed to. But it's okay. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to lose any sleep over them losing. You know, I mean, they're still my team. They'll always be my team no matter what. I'll always be a Chiefs fan, so. And you know, speaking of uh, speaking of uh, your team and uh, my team and Matthias's team, you know, think about this though, Granny. You mentioned uh, you know that uh, hope they'll be back up in September. Uh, if they start up in September, they'll be they'll miss the preseason and they'll miss training camp. So hopefully they'll start in July. Well, you know, September, well, but, you, know what I, you know what I meant September. I, you I meant the regular season. You know, yeah. They're going to be back there for training. They're going to be back there for preseason. You know, just the regular season starts like the end of August, first part of September, however they're going to do it this year. And who knows how they're going to do it this year, you know? I mean. And, uh, well, anyway, with that being said, uh, you know, uh, uh, Matthias and I, um, I believe you decided, Matthias, that you are going to be uh, playing football again this year, right? Well, the coach asked me through Facebook, he asked me if I was going to be playing, and I said, well, right now I'm going to focus mostly on my wrestling, but um, I will always be a fill-in guy on the offensive line if they need me to be. I'll come to practice, I'll do what I need to do, uh, but I'm not really more, I'm more focused, going to be focusing on my wrestling career more than football. So does that mean, uh, and I can understand that, and I respect that, so does that mean that I'm not going to have uh, my... uh, my travel buddy with me this year. Well, uh, I, I plan I plan to come to the games. I just won't be as many practices. But if they do need me to uh, suit up, I will be there for the Invaders. I'll come to the games. 
I just won't be able to. Uh, I just won't be suiting up as many times as I did last year. Well, okay, all right. Well, you know, I, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I love hanging out with you, and it's a, uh, it's fun to be with you. Uh, but uh, here's what we're gonna do here. It looks like our uh, first guest is ready. Uh, we're gonna take a quick little commercial break, and uh, we'll be back in 30 seconds. And uh, we'll get to our first guest. Give us 30 seconds. We'll be back in just a little bit. As a non-commercial radio station, Ken's FM survives in large part by the generosity of listeners like you who value public radio and have become a member. Your donation continues to allow us to support local artists and musicians and play the music you want to hear, not what advertisers think we should play. It enables us to broadcast feature story news so you can hear the news, not opinions. Public radio doesn't have an agenda. We're not in the business of pushing our point of view. Our mission is simple. Reflect your interests, not the interests of some corporation. If you believe that having an independent, non-commercial public radio station in your community is a good idea, become a member now. Find out how by visiting our website at www.kensfm.com. And remember, independence has a cost, and it's as little as $10 a month. And uh, we want you to go ahead and do that. That's your assignment. Uh, if you uh, go to uh, 89.1 uh, Ken's FM page on Facebook, you go to Off the Ropes, you like that, do a $10 do- donation a month. Uh, we'll get you automatically qualified to win an autograph get a picture from a first guest, current guest, last guest, present guest, past guest, whatever it is. We'll, uh, we'll get you all set. But in the meantime, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle, he is the big man on the screen. He is the reason why Superman feared and got off of Krypton. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Jack O'Halloran. Hi, this is Jack O'Halloran. You're listening to Attitude Era Live on 89.1 Ken's FM with your host, the icon, the big swing, and Granny Hulkster. How are you, Jack? It's good to have you. Uh, Here's what we're going to do, Jack. We're going to have fun with this interview. We have Jack O'Halloran as our guest here on 89.1 Ken's FM, and we have about... uh, well, we have uh, well, we have a good we have a good amount of time with Jack here. We got about uh, thirty five minutes. But here's what we're going to do, Jack. If you want to give us a quick little background about yourself, and then we will uh, interview and have some fun. Okay, where do you want to start? Uh, well, I, just uh, give us a little, uh, whatever you want to say, and then we'll fill in the blanks with the questions. Well, I uh, was born in Philadelphia, and. Uh, I went to school briefly at the University of Western Kentucky, and then uh, I came out. The uh, New York Jets grabbed a hold of me, and it was at a time in, 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 in our society when you couldn't play pro ball until your class graduated college. So they had a uh, farm system like, uh, like baseball, but it was for football, where a lot of us that left school early uh, played like a semi-pro league, but uh, with a lot of professional ball players waiting to go up and play in the pros. Uh, they had a league on the East Coast that we played in. And then when it came time to go and play 
for play for the Jets. Um, Philadelphia had a pretty good team, a lot of friends of mine down there, so I had a discussion with New York and said I would like to go down and take a shot at Philadelphia. And uh, they said, well, if it doesn't work out, you always got a home back here. So I went down to Philly, and um, then I did. Jerry Wallman had just purchased the team, and they hired a new coach, Joe Q. Herrick, which we watched trade a championship football team away. It's, things weren't as much fun as they were before. And Muhammad Ali had just won the title, and I said to a couple friends of mine, you know, I could beat that guy. And uh, <laughs> next thing I know, I was in a gymnasium uh, training to be a professional fighter. And couldn't box amateur because I was already considered a professional for football. So in those days, you couldn't do both. Today, you could. Today, you could be a professional in one sport and be an amateur in another uh, without any problem. But uh, you couldn't do that back in the 60s. So uh, Well, I think the reason why that was, Jack, is when they saw how big you were, they're like, uh, well, I don't think I want to get beat by this guy. We had, uh, it was, uh, you know, I, I embarked on my career in 66, and uh, I was 16-0 uh, when I first started fighting. I had 16 straight wins, and then some doctor examined me and said, uh, you know, you're suffering from a disease called acromegaly. And I said, yeah, good. Can I fight? He said, well, we don't recommend it. You know, it uh, causes very bad depression, and you're, if your body is putting out 10% growth hormone, mine was putting out 150. So it's supposed to drain you down and everything. So, But I, uh, of course, didn't listen to him and just kept on fighting. You know, and uh, I will say, uh, Jack, we have Jack O'Halloran as our guest here on 89.1 Kins FM. we got 32 minutes. Uh, I'm going to ask a few questions, Jack. Then we'll do a uh, we'll do a round table here. We got uh, Matthias on my left and Granny Hawks on my right. Now, uh, most of us uh, remember you from Superman one and two. Now, of course, you only had a cameo uh, appearance in part one, and then you had your big um, um, see a uh, big appearance in part two. I'm just kind of curious. How did that work out? Did you uh, you you filmed your scenes from uh, part one that were shown again in part two, but uh, how did that work? Did you, uh, were you already uh, filming part two uh, when part one was going on? How did that work? We, uh, we were shooting one and two together. And uh, actually Donner got so hung up in two that uh, they came to him because they were going to be late giving one to the to the theaters uh, because they were so – they hadn't finished one, and they were still – we were shooting two, and we got really into, into shooting two. And uh, uh, they went – the Warner Brothers came to the Salkinds and said, well, you know, uh, you're, you're going to be late delivering one. Maybe we won't give you a distribution deal for two, which uh, Alexander loved that idea because – and he said, well, does that mean I can sit people in the in a screening room and, and uh, show them uh, two and, uh, to get a distribution deal? And they said, oh, yeah, sure, why not? And he put everybody in. The, and I was there. We, we did it at Pinewood. 
and he put he brought a bunch of distributors in to look at uh, what he showed them was the fight scene. And uh, Warner Brothers couldn't get the money, the rubber bands off their money quick enough. So wow. uh, in fact, he got a he got a better deal for one. I think he got a, an additional five million dollars, and, and then uh, two. Of course, they 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 released two as well. But uh, problem was when we came back to finish two, uh, they uh, wanted to hire Richard Lester, which I thought was a bad mistake. But you know they did what they did, and uh, it's sad because if Donner would have finished two when we were doing it. He would have done three, four, and five. Would have been a whole different franchise. But um, right. Well, uh, to be honest, uh, uh, Jack. Now, I'm not taking anything away from part three. Okay, but uh, I mean, uh, I'm friends with uh, Richard Pryor Jr. Um, and uh, I'm not taking anything away from that. But uh, Richard Pryor did not really fit in the Superman genre. No, if you ask not me, at all. It, it, it didn't. He didn't fit it at all. It was uh, not um, conducive to what we had just done with one and two. Uh, you know, I, I felt you know it, it was just it, just, it was sad. If, had had Doctor been left on there, three would have been totally different. Would have been a different film because uh, we had already shot footage to where we were taken off to jail. We didn't die in in two. Um, and it's 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 uh, it's sad that they they did what they did, you know. But uh, that was a judgment they made. They were trying to cut corners. They didn't want to pay Donner. Uh, they didn't want to pay him, you know. I mean, how do you cut how do you cut Marlon Brando out of a picture? Right. Brando had already shot all the footage for two, and they cut him out because they didn't want to pay him the points. Wow. Have you ever seen the Donner cut? I have. I own it, as a matter of fact, on DVD, as a matter of fact. Well, or what did you think of the Donner cut? I liked it a lot better. Oh, so did I. So did everybody else. You know, no. it's just sad that he couldn't have finished it the way he wanted to. But, you know, that's the salt kinds. They were, you know, that's just the way they were. You know, it was a sad thing. I, I blame Christopher. Christopher... Christopher should have turned around because Gene Hackman didn't come back. I almost didn't go back. And Christopher should have stood up and said, no Donner, no me. And they would have had no choice but to bring Donner back. But and uh, I wish I wish they would have. Uh, you know, and this is interesting. Uh, Jack O'Halloran is our guest here. we got uh, 27 minutes. So uh, I'm going to ask one more question, and then uh, we'll do a roundtable, and then we'll come back to me. I'll ask you a few other questions. Uh, so the scene at the end of two when uh, – you uh, dropped to your death. That was not the original ending. We know this. Uh, if you saw the Donner cut. Yeah, they actually showed putting us in the police car because we lost our powers in the in the in the scene before that. Before we fell, that's why we fell, and uh, they they carted us off to jail. And. Uh, I'm, we'll, we'll talk a little more about this, but uh, we're going to bring uh, Granny Hulkster on here. Uh, Granny, we have Jack O'Halloran. Uh, he's one of the few that has kneeled before Zod. Uh, what do you have for our guest, Jack O'Halloran? Go ahead, Granny. Well, welcome to the show, and it's an honor and a pleasure to have you on. I mean, I remember 
I mean, I'm 59 years old, and but I remember watching the Superman movies with Christopher Reeve and you know Margot Kidder. I mean, what a great lineup of actors that you all you all were absolutely amazing in those movies. Oh, it was a brilliant cast. Yeah. The cast was outstanding. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, and I guess one of my favorite parts was when you all were first, you know, getting your powers, you know, and everything, and you were trying to, you had that snake, and you were trying to put the beam, you know, trying to burn the snake. That was one of my favorite parts of that movie was, that you were trying to do. I was trying to make dinner. Okay. Yep. <laughs> but, you know, you just, I mean, what was it like to, I mean, what was it like to be such of a, an amazing cast of actors and actresses? I mean, I know... I mean, it takes a lot to act, you know, do a movie, you know, do a TV show, whatever. It takes a lot to make everything work right. And what was it like for you to be able to be a part of an amazing cast like that? Oh, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, I was, uh, that was, uh, was the third, let me see, third fourth picture I did uh, first picture I did was Farewell My Lovely with Robert Mitchum and he was my mentor he taught me everything I needed to know then I did King Kong and then March or Die and then we went on to Superman and, uh, and and we had such a I mean when you look at the when we're doing the scene in the very beginning where we're being guilty 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 all those actors behind us that played those roles that came, like a cameo you talking about some Trevor Howard, some great English actors that were that were on that set, you know. And then you have Marlon Brando and uh, mm-hmm. Turn Turn Stamp was a brilliant actor. And Sarah mm-hmm. was young and coming up, and you know we uh, it just it worked out really terrifically well. I mean everybody got on very well. It was uh, the, I mean Hackman was terrific, and Ned Beatty was great, and you know Valerie Perrine was great. And, it's, we had a great cast. It was just a, it was a great, a lot of fun. We work when you work with people for three years, you know, you get to know them very well. And, uh, we uh, we became very close. I still talk to Terrence and Sarah. I talk to Sarah all the time. Do you think you can hook us up with her? Because do you think you can hook us up with her? Because I'd like to actually challenge her to a uh, to an arm wrestling match, and I'd like to ask her if it tickles or not. <laughs> Better be careful. She's pretty strong, let me tell you. <laughs> well, yeah, I know, but it, could you hook us up? I, you know, I'll understand if you turn me down, but would you be able to hook us up to with either one of those? Oh, sure. I mean, uh, Sarah, well, Terrence is getting a bit dementia. He's uh, unfortunate. Uh, it's uh, it's very sad, actually. So it's Sarah, positively, yeah. yeah. Sarah and all I right. talk well, all the time. And I have your phone number, and I know our fans are listening. Like, why would he give Icon his phone number? But that was a story for another time. Uh, now uh, at, uh, we're going to go to Matthias, uh, Jack, and uh, Matthias is actually a wrestler, and he uh, actually has told me off air that he could probably take Non on in a wrestling match. Uh, what do you have, Matthias? Go ahead. Well, uh, first off, it's uh, it's cool to have you on the show. So thank you for coming on. I guess uh, one question, since uh, since uh, since I am a wrestler slash fighter. Um, I guess I thought I'd ask you this quick question. 
if you were in full, like, if you were back to your normal health, like, full health, could go back to fighting and stuff like that, is there one opponent you would like to either refight, or is there, like, a dream opponent you wish you could uh, take on, like, in a boxing match? Well, yeah, I would love to have fought Foreman again, but he wouldn't fight me. Uh, And I was signed to fight Ali four different times, and it just never... One reason or another, it just never happened. We were very close friends, and uh, uh, he wanted to fight. I wanted to fight. Uh, it just uh, circumstances just didn't. It just for some reason, every time we were getting close to it, something would happen. Or uh, when he fought Norton the first time, he was supposed to be fighting me. We had a deal already done. And uh, okay. Norton's people. So now, Norton, Norton, Norton was owned by very wealthy people, and they went to Chicago with a suitcase full of money. and And uh, Muhammad called me on the phone. He was actually in tears because he, he made me. We 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 made a deal. And he called me up one day and he said, uh, "You got to do me a favor." And I said, "I'll do you a favor. Sign a contract to fight me." He said, "No, we're gonna we'll we'll do that." He said, "I but if you do me this favor," he said. Uh, We'll do that. I said, well, what's the favor? He said, you're fighting my brother Rockman, and you got to get him out of boxing. I said, Rockman Ali's your brother? And he said, yeah. And I said, uh, and I was fighting him within a week or something. And I said, well, I guess I better go in the gym for a couple of days. And wow. uh, so I did. I knocked him out. He never fought again. And, uh, and so Ali and I made a deal that we were going to fight in San Diego. And uh, Norton's people went to Chicago with a bunch of money, and next thing I know, Ali's fighting Norton. Uh, Jack O'Halloran is our guest here. we got 20, uh, 21 minutes. See, now, Jack, I have some inside information. Now I, I can tell you the reason why George Foreman did not fight you is because they told him, if you get beat by uh, the guy from Superman, we're not going to give you the grill franchise. <laughs> <laughs> That was another mistake I made. George came to me to help him finance the grill when he was when he his lawyer called me on the phone. They were when he was when he first put that grill deal together, the George Foreman grill, and I and I was doing something I don't know I was off somewhere doing something. I said ah, I don't know if that's not for me. And it was what a mistake. It turned out to work out very well for him. George made a fortune off of that grill. Still does. Yeah and. A lot of people don't know is actually Hulk Hogan was actually supposed to be the first guy. Uh, I'll tell you the story real quick. Uh, uh, Hulk Hogan got a call from the guy that was going to do the grill, and he's also had the same agent as uh, George Foreman. And uh, at the time, um, Hulk Hogan's wife did not give him the message. So uh, they called George Foreman because they needed to launch it, and uh, just think it would have been the – Hulk Hogan grill instead of the George Foreman grill. Think about that. I think it worked out better. I, I think it did too. I, I just, he's, a good, he's a good guy though. But George is George is a George is, George is a good, pretty good person actually. You know my like you know my all time favorite line about George Foreman uh, when he was uh, going for the championship again. He was doing those montages for HBO and he goes, "I want to fight again so bad I can taste it." And then he took that. Big bite out of that uh, rotisserie chicken. <laughs> I'm just you thinking about the chicken. His, you know, all of his children are named George. I did know that. Yes. 
And I asked him that. I said, George, I said, why, why do you name all your children? He said, so I wouldn't forget their name. <laughs> and if he got mad, he didn't have to really think hard on what the kid's name was to punish him. Well, hey, look, can George. you imagine what, what it was like taking a phone call in that house? Is George there? Which one? Uh, look, I had the same thing. Yeah, I had the same thing as a kid. My parents were Jerry and Jerry. And when people would call and say, hey, is Jerry there? Which one? Jerry. And I would hang up. And then I would get grounded. Okay? That's a whole other story. Uh, Jack O'Hallon is our guest here. We got, uh, uh, we got 18 minutes. Now, uh, your character, uh, actually, we, we know didn't really speak, didn't really have any uh, lines. But is that harder as an actor to have a character that doesn't speak compared to one that well, has I'll one? Tell you, when they, when they, when we, I was doing a picture with Gene Hackman called March or Die. We were down in Spain, and when they brought us up to London to meet with Richard Donner, and he, he said to me, uh, and I, I read the script, and he said, "Did you? How about playing this as a mute?" And I said, "No." I said, "I actually embraced that because." Jackie Gleason was a friend of mine, and he won an Oscar playing a role called Gigo, where he was a deaf, dumb mute. And I said, I, I always, if I got a character that I had to use body language and facial expressions, uh, I, would, I, would, I would embrace doing that. And, uh, and then I said to Donner, I said, you know, I'm going to take, because the character Non, was, he was a scientist that they lobotomized. He was a brilliant guy. And they lobotomized him because of the revolution that he and Zod and all of them were doing on, on Krypton. So the, I said, I'm going to take this brutish guy and I'm going to play him like a child, learning how to work his eyes and learning how to get his powers together and, you know, playing adulation to Nod, to Zod and all that stuff. And Donner said, wow, what a great idea. So it was that's what I did. I played him like a like he was a child, learning how to learning how to do things like a child would. Because Terrence was a, was a man-eater. He was just a vicious, vicious general. Sarah was a man-eater. Somebody had to relate to the children in the audience because it was a big children's audience. So someone had to relate to the kids. So I figured, well, let me take this big guy and make him very childlike. And, and it worked out pretty well. You know, and uh, you can believe this or disbelieve this, but actually, uh, I didn't. Uh, I didn't really like Zod because there's no way, as as uh, five years old or whatever it was at the time, I was. I wasn't going to kneel before him, uh, and uh, I I did actually want to date uh, the gal. Uh, you know, <laughs> and, and uh, what, what the the one scene that made me fall in love with your character, and uh, I was actually sad when you when you fell to your icy grave or whatever it is, uh, when you pulled the uh, the uh, police uh, siren thing off and you, you kind of whimpered and then you handed it to him, I fell in love with you at that scene. I'm like, man, what do I got to do to meet this guy? You know, I, I, I hope uh, he, he survives and the others go away because I like him more, you know? <laughs> And a lot of people, I, I mean, I, I remember the first Comic-Con I ever did, and, and and people that were young when they saw the movie first came up to me and they said, oh, my God, you can actually talk? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's, that's the thing. It's, it's like... It's uh, an awful convincing in the movies. They really thought I couldn't talk at all. 
Well, you know, like when you when I heard your voice for the first time here tonight, I'm like, wow. I I, I actually thought you had like a deeper voice, like a deep voice like this. Like I'm uh, I'm the big guy. Well, you are a big guy. How tall are you? Six six. He's six wow. six. You guys get this. He's six six, uh, 185 pounds, and uh, he's the reason why George. He, he's the reason why George Foreman wouldn't fight him. Think about that. I was George. George. George and I. The, the, we when we fought in the garden. I didn't train as hard as I should have trained. I was too busy taking care of other business that I was involved in, and, uh, and I only trained about ten days for the fight. And and it was a it was a it was a pretty good fight. I hurt him in the second round, I, and I stung him in the third round, and, and then I walked into a punch. That was my own stupidity. But I got up, and I they stopped the fight very quickly, and I just I was really angry because I and and he knew it. He you know, and I said you know we're gonna do this again, and of course we never did. But. You know, and uh, you know you've worked with a lot of my favorite actors. Uh, and you're probably thinking that I'm just saying this, but you're you're one of my all-time favorites from uh, back in the '80s. But you know, you get to work with Gene Hackman. Of course, my favorite role of his was in um, uh, Poseidon Adventure, and uh, I'm trying to think uh, the military movie, the sub me uh, 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 where he was the boat commander uh, with him and Denzel Washington. Why am I? Why is that slipping my mind? I don't I know. Trying to think I, it's triggering my mind, too. Yeah, I, I should know. Uh, I actually went on my first high school day with that. That's probably why I don't remember it. Uh, and, uh, you know, you also huh. got to work with... Uh, you also got to work with Terrence Stamp. Of course, my favorite uh, role of his was in uh, I Spy with uh, uh, Owen, uh, Owen Wilson and uh, Eddie Murphy. And uh, he played uh, Gundaz. He was the guy that they that uh, they sold the plane to uh, in that movie, and of course, uh, let's talk a little Christopher Reeve. I I, I want to bring this up. We have Jack O'Halloran. We're on eighty nine point one Kins FM, and we got about uh, twelve minutes. Now you got to work with uh, Christopher Reeve for three years. Uh, I was really sad uh, when he passed, and when I found out about his accident. Accident. What uh, what was he like personally on the set with you guys? Well, he was young, you know, and it was the first big major role he ever did. You know, he never did anything prior to Superman, so he was naive in a lot of ways. Um, and he got he, he got injured because he he was overhorsed, and he didn't have a helmet on, and he should have. He wasn't wearing the proper equipment, unfortunately for him. But uh, he actually became a much nicer person after he got hurt. Which is uh, really so. You know, yeah, he was. So, uh, you know, he, he was wasn't like, a very like nice said, guy. He huh? was young. He was young, and he was he was naive, and you know he he. Uh, I mean, we we got. I got along with him. I only had one argument with him once in the whole time we were working, and. Uh, uh, but he was, uh, you know, like I said, he was young. He was, he was a, a naive young kid, and, and he would, he should have turned around and said to the salt guys, "No Donner, no me." And he had the power to do that, and he should have done it, but he didn't. And it's sad. 
And, uh, you know, actually, a lot of people don't know that uh, Superman 4 was actually his project about uh, he wrote the missile the thing. And all he, well, it he was so bad. It was so bad that Warner Brothers didn't even – Warner – it was uh, – what you call it? Uh, oh, the uh, – oh, God, I'm trying to think of the guy's name. The, the two Israeli brothers who did this, who, who did that show uh, – Warner Brothers had nothing to do with it. They just gave them the right to to do a film, and um, it was terrible. Four was really not not good. And, uh, three was, I think three was bad. Four was even worse. Well, actually, I uh, I like three more than uh, four, but uh, you know only because uh, you know there's just something about uh, going back uh, to Smallville and all that stuff and. Uh, I was uh, I was a computer geek back then, and watching this big uh, computer try and overtake the world was just uh, was just amazing to me. Uh, Jack Helen's our guest here. We got about uh, ten minutes left here with Jack. Now, uh, now I'll understand if you uh, turn me down for this, Jack. But uh, you know we got a, we got a little deal going on that if our uh, fans go to our off the roads page like that, they go to eighty nine point one Ken's FM page on Facebook like that and do a ten dollar month donation. They have a chance to get qualified to win a uh, autographed picture from a past guest, current guest, or future guest. Would you be willing to send us a few autographed pictures? Sure, not a problem. No problem at all. All right, I'll send you. I'll send you that address, and then uh, uh, tomorrow afternoon I'll uh, give you a call because I know it's late where you're at, and then uh, talk about uh, help me get uh, hooked up with uh, uh, the uh, gal that I actually fell in love with on the screen. Uh, like I say, I, I do want to challenge her to a. Uh, Arm wrestling match, and she'll probably snap my arm like a toothpick. But uh, it'll it'll be worth it. Uh, now, when you were doing the role, uh, you know, uh, uh, black hair is not, not your natural color. How long were you in makeup uh, each day uh, to do the to do the role? I um, I wound up growing my own beard. They they. They, then they shaved it and started putting one on because it was they were adding stuff and breaking. It was breaking the hair because of the way they cleaned it off and all. So um, it wasn't that 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 much. It was more putting the whiteness on you, and making you look white and pale. That took time, uh, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't too bad. And, and my hair was dark. It was, it was dark then, so. It was. Uh, I never had a problem with that. It was just uh, the making us look pale and uh, applying the beard every day, which really wasn't. What that's they get that down pretty good. So maybe about an hour. And uh, when you uh, uh, did you ever? Uh, I'm just kind of curious. Did you ever go out uh, like uh, in between takes and whatever in between scenes? Did you ever go out in your makeup and uh, scare people like to get like a free no. uh, uh, extra no. value meal or something? No, no. <laughs> we were actually we we're at Pinewood Studios. Where are you going to go? You know, right? Because no. uh, I uh, I don't know if you ever you guys ever heard the story, but. Uh, um, the actor that played Freddy Krueger, he actually went out in his makeup. Robert England. Robert well, England. He, he actually he, went. He's a funny. He's a Robert's a funny guy. He's 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 a, he, he's he's a funny guy. He, I could see him doing that. 
honest. Yeah, and uh, he actually freaked out people because he he went in full costume, and uh, apparently he he went to the the drive up window the the speaker thing and ordered, and he went to the window to pay, and uh, the gal got so freaked out when he put up his claw, she got so freaked yeah. she actually threw his order into the window. Oh jeez. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she didn't take his money. <laughs> and uh, I can't imagine I why. why. <laughs> uh, Jack O'Hallen's our guest here. Uh, we got uh, six minutes left here. Uh, now, there's another movie that you're in that's actually a movie I really enjoy. And uh, uh, Hero and the Terror, you got to, uh, I believe you got to uh, uh, either... Yeah, you either got to beat up Chuck Norris, and you got to be friends with Chuck Norris. Chuck's a good fella. He's a, he was. A, I was. I was good friends with Bruce Lee, so I used to have good discussions with Chuck about martial arts, and I studied a lot of the arts when I was younger. So, Chuck, 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 Chuck was a real good guy. He was, and I think here was one of the best pictures he ever did. Actually, uh, yeah. Um, and well, actually, uh, I there's actually two that I liked. Uh, Hero and the Terror and uh, Delta Force uh, was him and uh, um, why can't I remember? Uh, he was uh, Liberty Balance. Why, why am I forgetting this stuff today? Uh, Lee Marvin. He played Liberty. Lee Marvin. Yeah, it was Lee, Lee Marvin's last movie, Delta Force. Uh, Lee was Lee was a hell of a guy. I liked Lee Marvin a lot. He was a good guy. Now, did you ever get to meet the Duke? John Wayne. Yes. Oh sure, I knew him well. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I knew him well. Well, I was very close to Mitchum, and I met a lot of people around Robert Mitchum. So, uh, yeah, I know I knew Dick, and and you know I worked with Jimmy Coburn, Omar Sharif. Uh, so you're around all these people all the time. And uh, John John lived down in the. He lived down outside of uh, Tampa, Florida. When I, I had a place down there, and I used to go down there. Uh, so he, he's a good guy. I liked him a lot, actually. Now, uh, now, Jack, I'm going to ask you this because uh, we we we're on 89.1 Ken's FM here. We got about uh, we only got about four minutes. I wish it was four years, but uh, would you be willing to? Uh, would you be willing to come back on our show so we can talk to you about uh, meeting other guys and uh, your boxing crew and all this other good stuff that uh, that we still want to cover? Well, yeah, we got to have a great book out there. You know that. Well, that's what uh, that's why I want to talk about. Here, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, let me take a look here, real quick. Here, uh, would you be willing to come back with us on uh, March seventh at uh, the same time at nine fifteen, and we'll talk about your book? Sure, why not? All right. Now, uh, to wet everybody's whistle, what is the name of the book? Is it, uh, let me guess, it's something like called, like, None of Your Business? or? Uh... <laughs> no, it's called Family Legacy. Awesome. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. So we're, we're, uh, I'll send you all the details for getting you back on, and uh, we have about the three minutes here before we got to wrap this up. But, uh, and I'll understand if you don't want to answer this question, but is there anybody that you sure. work with that uh, you didn't really want to work with or that you thought was kind of, you know, off? No, you know, I just, I, I enjoyed every picture I ever did. Uh, I mean, King Kong, we had a great cast. 
Dragnet was a great cast with Tom Hanks and Dan Aykroyd. Uh, you know, doing Superman, Superman was brilliant. All the, you know, Brando, Brando and I became very good friends. Uh, I mean, it just it, Jimmy Coburn was a good guy. I did Baltimore Bullet with him and Omar Sharif. Uh, you know, it's, and uh, uh, you also were in the you were also in the Flintstones. Flintstones, yeah, with uh, with John Goodman and uh, a few other people. Yeah, Flintstones was uh, was a, that was the smallest part I think I ever did, but it was a big movie. And uh, the other thing is, uh, you also uh, reprieved your uh, role in uh, uh, the in 2011. You were in Superman: uh, Reclusion of the Shuttle Commander as the voice. Uh, I believe that was that a video game that you were in. Yeah, they they called me up one day and asked me to do that. It was uh, we did a couple things involving Superman like that. Yeah. But uh, you know, uh, I know this. Uh, everybody's going to get a big laugh out of this, but uh, uh, being able to uh, chat with me has got to be the one of the biggest highlights of your career, correct? Sure. Hey, kid. There you go. <laughs> It's recorded, everybody. Uh, Jack O'Halloran's our guest here. we got about uh, 60 seconds. Uh, yeah, so we'll definitely get you back on in uh, March 7th, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll exactly have more time with you. Where exactly well, uh, Grant, Granny is in Arkansas, and uh, I'm in Fargo, okay. North Dakota, where we're going to get uh, wow. snow again. Uh, you'd actually, since you survived the cold where uh, Superman was at, you'd probably be able to be okay here, but there's no pit for you to fall into here. Uh, but uh, you'd probably... <laughs> I think we're supposed to have snow Wednesday and Thursday icon here in Arkansas where I live. You want to get snow in Arkansas? Wow. Yeah, we, we do which, occasionally. Uh, which part of all, where, where are you at in Arkansas? You're up north, you're in the northern part of the state there. Where I, are you? I, I live in the northwestern part of Arkansas. I live in Springdale. We're about eight or nine miles from Fayetteville, Arkansas, the home oh, of the Arkansas I know, where you're at. I, I, know, I know Fayetteville well. Yeah, I know where you're at. Yep. Yeah, I live yeah. in Springdale, so... Well, I'll tell you what, Jack, uh, It's it's been fun having you on, uh, and uh, I'll promise to stop calling you at 2 in the morning because I know how big you are now, and uh, I know that uh, you're, uh, you're, a great, you're a great guy, but I'll stop calling you at 2 in the morning. But uh, we will definitely have you back, back on again in March. I'll call you tomorrow afternoon, and we'll finalize everything and get you going, okay? Not a problem. Thanks, Jack. You are our hero, and Thanks, we appreciate Jack. it. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. You take care now. All right, Jack O'Halloran, ladies and gentlemen, was that was that not awesome or what? Uh, it looks like our our next guest is waiting in the wings. Uh, we'll uh, we'll get to them in just a little bit, but we're going to take a brief little time out, and we will be back in thirty seconds. The new Woodspring Suites of Fargo, located at ten ninety thirty fifth Street North at the I twenty nine and Twelfth Avenue North interchange. It's an extended-stay, pet-friendly hotel with kitchenettes in every room, including a stovetop, full-size fridge, and microwave, plus a big 40-inch flat-screen TV with free Wi-Fi. You can book a room at 701-582-1600 or online at www.woodspring.com. Woodspring Suites of Fargo, rated 4.2 by Trustcore. 
And uh, if you're in Fargo, North Dakota, uh, and uh, you're listening, and uh, you might get snowed in uh, today or tomorrow, uh, Wood Spring Suites is always a good place to uh, to go. Uh, but right now, let's bring out our next guest. She is stepping out of the green room, walking down the aisle, about to step in the ring with us. Ladies and gentlemen, she's probably the most beautiful independent wrestler out there today. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Carmen Beck. Hi, this is Carmen Chaos. You're listening to Attitude Era Live on 89.1 Kins FM with your host, the Icon, the Big Swing, and the Granny Hawkster. <laughs> How are you? Uh, we're going to get chaotic here. Here's what we're going to do here. Uh, we have uh, Carmen Chaos as our guest here, and we have uh, 28 minutes. If you want to give us a quick little background about yourself, then we'll do a roundtable and we'll have some fun with the interview. Go ahead. Okay, perfect. Uh, I'm actually a small independent wrestler from a small place in West Virginia, but we're right now, our our brand is not small, though. We are right now traveling from West Virginia, Ohio, uh, Florida, we're kind of we're kind of taking over. So small fish, big pond, but working our way up. I've actually only been in the business for about a year, so it's kind of crazy. But I've been a fan probably since I was four. So it's kind of crazy being from such a small town and seeing all these big places. Like we were just in in um, actually Cleveland, and it was a it was a great show up there too. And also, I'm one of the few transgender professional professional wrestlers in the world. So that's kind of cool, especially from a small place like this. Uh, and we're we're gonna we're gonna talk about all that. And uh, Carmen Chaos is a guest here. We've got uh, 27 minutes. Now, uh, you know, you <laughs> mentioned uh, uh, you've only been in the business for a year, and uh, so far, uh, being on with the the icon has probably been the highlight so far. But uh, what um, Let's talk a little bit about uh, your wrestling style. Are you a high fi- flyer like a Rey Mysterio? Are you a technical like Bret Hart? Or are you, are you more into the brawling like uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin? I love to fly. I am actually, I was at, at first really scared, but I was only a month into training or so, and I was like, I want to do a flying hurricanrana. Why not? And I nailed it perfectly. Our our trainer's jaw dropped because I was there, you know, a month in, and I said, I want to try this. And he was like, that's a pretty advanced move. And then all of a sudden I flat out Mickey James drama style out, out of the corner, and they were like, oh, she's pretty good. So uh, you you beat up our Mickey James. We're going to talk more about that. Oh. Uh, Carmen can't <laughs> – uh, Carmen Chaos is a guest here. We're on 89.1 Kens FM. we got 26 minutes. Now, uh, when you wrestle, are you a baby face, a heel, an in-betweeny? Are you more of a crowd individual? Um, believe it or not, I actually trained as heel because I always, you know, I did not imagine how people would really react to me. But I'm actually extremely baby faced where I'm from and I honestly I I love it. I I love our fans more than anything in this world. The the kids, the parents, everyone is just so great. And uh well Granny, uh she started out as a heel but she found out she was gonna be on the show with you so she straightened her act up. What do you have for our <laughs> guest, Carmen Chaos? We have twenty four minutes. Go ahead. Well hello Carmen, welcome to the show. 
Now, Granny is not a wrestler. I am just a big fan of the sport that we call wrestling. I mean, I love wrestling. I love to holler at the bad guys. I could talk some pretty good smack to the heels when I have to. So she also hollers at the bad girls too. Sometimes I have to put them in their place. Sometimes you know, but um, so uh, I guess my question to you is. If you had an opportunity to have any kind of dream match with anybody, who would you want your opponent to be and what kind of match would you want to do? Uh, I would say if I could name one currently, I would have a dream match against Thunder Rosa because Thunder Rosa has really kind of, she's kind of taken that step into where, like, she is more of a technical of a technical wrestler. If you look at the way that she actually picks out how she's going to fight each match, it is a different style for each person. So I think me and her would would absolutely kill it. Awesome. Uh, Carmen Chaos is a guest here. We got uh, twenty four minutes. Uh, now I'm going to bring on uh, Matthias. Uh, before we come back to me, ask you the, the tough questions. Uh, Matthias, what do you got for our guest, Carmen Chaos? Go ahead. Well, as a um, as another professional wrestler, I want to welcome you onto the show. But unfortunately for you, I am a heel. I am the number one heel in North Dakota professional wrestling history today. So, one question I got um, would be. In my companies where I'm usually working, there aren't really a lot of female wrestlers that tend to um, come to our companies and stuff and wrestle. But I've also seen a lot of females that we would bring in wrestle a lot of male wrestlers, you know, intergender-wise. So would you say you've had more um, female opponents or male opponents? And if you had the opportunity, would you come wrestle me for my diamond title here in North Dakota? Because I need a good baby face to fight. Uh, listen, I am up to fight anybody. I like to say that my hands are rated E for everyone. So I promise you, if you want this smoke, we will have to work it out. But I have definitely had more um, more um, females that I have faced. But I, ha- I did do one battle royal against men that I wasn't planned on being in. But best believe, I was out there giving it my all. And those boys did not take it uh, lightly on me. <laughs> Yeah, that that tends to usually happen, especially like when I was new in the business. I got quite a whopping every time I was in the ring, but I thoroughly enjoyed it, and that's why I stayed in the business. I've been in it for about five years. But I'm definitely going to talk to my North Dakota companies because I need a good baby face to fight. And if you claim to be a good baby face, you need to face the dominant heel in North Dakota. It's on. And I would escort you to the ring, too. <laughs> oh, okay, we really we don't want to decredit her character that. as much as, like, we don't need to decredit her character that much. Come on. It's all right. Uh, uh, Carmen Chaos I guess here we got uh, 22 minutes now uh, now you had uh, mentioned this a little bit ago and we'll kind of I I don't know if you want uh, how uh, much we can talk about it and I know that uh, you know you you don't shy away from it but you had mentioned that uh, you were uh, in your company you were a transgender wrestler how long uh, have you uh, did you do the transformation Um, I've been I've been transitioning almost for about, I'd say, uh, eight years, eight, nine years. And where I'm from, it's such a small town. So everybody knows everybody. So for me to go from such a, from such a small place and to actually do that, 
was a brave step alone, let alone going from that to being the only transgender wrestler in the States where it's like, oh, so I'm already a, a, you know, small fish in a small pond, but now I want to be the only fish in the pond. (laughs) Right. And of course, uh, you know, um, yeah, I already, I already know you know about PG language and all that stuff. But so now, when you uh, when you got into wrestling, uh, you you were you had did the tra- uh, transition, or you were did you start out wrestling as a as a guy and then did the other switch? Oh no, uh, I've actually um, transitioned almost uh, eight nine years ago. So whenever I had first started, uh, I went to our um, our um, promoter who actually runs a um, school here and I was like hey I don't know if you have any kind of issues with LGBT people joining things like that he went why are you like lesbian well I'm not <laughs> I'm not lesbian but you know I'm trans and he went okay and the coolest part was no matter how small we are here he walked me back in there and was like this right here is Carmen. If you all have any kind of problem with it, you can leave. First thing he said. And so uh, all your uh, all your uh, opponents and uh, guys on your roster, they, they know that uh, you are and that they've embraced you and they haven't had an issue with it, which is awesome. Oh, correct. They have been – honestly, if I can give a – a little shout out, uh, Ben Steele, Johnny Santos, uh, Chris, uh, Chris Williamson. Uh, there have there have been plenty of names. Bryce Phipps, some of the kids that I have like trained with, and also some of the people that we have we've brought in have been absolutely great to me. And uh, we're going to take a quick little time out, uh, do a station identification, and we'll be right back. You're listening to 89.1 Ken's FM, KNNZ-FM, Holly, Fargo-Moorhead. Independent public radio for Fargo-Moorhead and the Valley. Also on the web at www.kensfm.com. And we are back on 89.1 Ken's FM. We have Carmen Chaos here with us. we got about 19 minutes. And... Uh, the assignment still is out there. If you go to Off the Roads page, you like that. You go to 89.1 Ken's FN page, like that. And if you also do a $10 a month donation, we'll get you qualified to uh, win an autographed picture from past guest, future guest, or current guest. And uh, I believe that uh, Carmen was nice enough to hook us up with a few, uh, so you can win an autographed picture of uh, Carmen. Uh, now we we won't touch on this uh, too much because uh, it is still kind of depressing to us. But uh, you know, you mentioned you've been in the the business for a year. Uh, how did uh, COVID affect uh, what you were doing in your career? Ah, uh, COVID was crazy because that's whenever I had first you know started training. So what was kind of like a like a almost a good hope is that you know with being in the lockdown and stuff we were still training and that's what we were, I mean, we didn't have any other choice but to train. We couldn't have shows. So I was in there probably, I'd say three, four times a week. They're just busting it, training as hard as I could. And it actually turned out the first show we were going to have, I was going to do a um, special guest um, ref spot. I was just going to, you know, referee this and that. And then, COVID happened, so then we kind of locked down for a bit. Once we opened back up, they said, oh, by the way, you're having a match. I said, I'm having a match. (laughs) Wow. 
So, uh, what, uh, what, what is your schedule like? Uh, uh, like, do you know when your next match is, where it is, when it is, who might it be against? Uh, have you got that on your calendar yet? I do. So, my next match is actually this Friday at Wayne High School. Uh, we're doing a fundraiser for their graduation program, and I'll be fighting Anastasia Morningstar for the BCW Women's Championship. And uh, you, uh, have you wrestled her before? I have. I faced her out in um, Cleveland, and we put on one heck of a match. We had uh, – I had gone for a um, Rana off the top, and she caught me in midair and powerbombed me pretty good. So uh, she is one of the probably best talents I have faced. She is strong, but I know for a fact with this title – on the line it's just about who wants it more and there's nothing that i would want more to kind of show that somebody like me could be able to be you know a champion and uh maybe uh after you uh well actually maybe before you take her out in the ring and defeat her maybe you can uh talk to her and see about if she would uh, become a guest on our show oh i guess so i'll have to find a find a time between uh us fist fighting and <laughs> I would have to for sure she is a great talent too because you know out outside of our our feud she is actually one of the one of the like lead people who who, who fights women and men because she's just such she's just such a powerhouse and uh actually you know what you can do is say it's like uh you know I'll, I'll put you in the submission move and I'll let you out if you be on their show <laughs> perfect. There we go. That'll that that'll work out perfect because she, I, I I definitely do need to get a uh, get a, a game plan because after our after our last match we had you know I kind of discovered how strong she is so I'm gonna have to find a way to you know it's kind of like uh, being a high flyer against a powerhouse because I mean here I have to use my speed rather than you know strength. <laughs> Because I am not going to out going to outpower this strong woman. Uh, Carmen Chaos is our guest here, and we have uh, 14 minutes. We're on 89.1 Ken's FM here in Fargo, North Dakota, on this cold and frigid day, and uh, we have uh, another winter storm warning coming. But we can talk about that a little later. Now. I'm going to ask you this, and I always uh, ask every independent wrestler this, and uh, it's a two-part question. I'm going to put it to you because no one ever answered the same. One, uh, you know, we don't have Ring of Honor anymore, so all we got is AEW, and we have the WWE. Now, two-part question, if the WWE or AEW were to come up to you, like, after a match and say, you know, we're having tryouts, or we want you to come try out for our company uh, in such and such a date, is that something you'd want to do? And two, when you get that big time million dollar contract, will you not big time us and still talk to us? Oh, absolutely to both. I'm never going to be, you know, too kind of too kind of big time for anybody because I always, you know, remember my small town roots. So I will definitely, uh, I would love to be back. And if AEW WWE were to uh, reach out to me, I would 100 percent take it because because an actual representation of a of a trans person is so kind of important to you know future 
future kids and stuff because if you look at them growing up, if I would have had somebody that I could have looked up to like me whenever I was little, that could have changed my whole life. You know, and uh, with, uh, you know, with the way that uh, the WWE, I mean, they're cutting people left and right. And, uh, you know, I don't know if uh, in your in your realm there, in your, your company, have you uh, have you had any of the uh, uh, those uh, former cut stars come in uh, around your area, or if you've seen any of them? We we had uh, we had a couple here uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, have you uh, seen that? Uh, yes, I did. And uh, our our talents mainly. Uh, we have a lot of a lot of um, impact talent comes in. Uh, we had a whole uh, whole. Um, Impact show with uh, Larry D, Suicide, uh, Caleb Conley, a couple different names were in, and Rhino was in. Rhino was an excellent uh, person to meet because he was so kind and so just such a such a great person backstage too. Now, do you uh, do any uh, tag team wrestling uh, at all? Actually, had a tag team match to where I teamed with uh, Ari, Ari, Ari uh, Alexander, and me and her really. Uh, it was it was kind of cool because me and her have had about two matches, three matches so far, and we're about to have our fourth coming up in coming up in a couple weeks. You know, in the uh, cool thing of uh, cool thing about our show, and I'm not trying to put us over, but I am. Uh, you know, uh, we were actually Kenzie Page's first interview. Uh, when she started out training, she was 17. She was on our show. And then uh, six months later, she signed the contract with AEW. Uh, so they are listening to our show. I know they are because we used to talk about storylines and stuff like that. When we would predict what was going on, the next week they would change it because we already knew it was going to happen. So they would change it. But uh, when you when you are wrestling – uh are you uh are you wanting to uh branch out and do like uh like different type of matches like uh hardcore matches or um iron man or iron woman matches uh or are you just uh, strictly want to do like just your knockdown drag out regular wrestling match I want to do a I'll do a here and there no DQ match but those those, those deathmatch people are intense. <laughs> so uh, we actually have a talent that um, that that comes in. He will actually be at our um, next show. Deathmatch um, legend Madman Pondo uh, comes out to us in our in our shows and in watching some of his stuff and hit in his matches. I'm a type one diabetic. I. I cut and bruise easily, so I don't know if that'd be a great idea. So, so you, we probably won't see you any uh, hardcore matches like that, or uh, you know, uh, uh, anything, uh, any like infernal matches or anything like that. Oh no, 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 uh, no, no fire, uh, no, no, no thumbtacks. But yet again, if I'm in a feud and it gets and it gets to that point. I guess I gotta do. I gotta do what I gotta do. <laughs> no, no pain, no gain. 
Uh, uh, Matthias, go ahead. What do you got? Well, I was going to say, unfortunately for her, uh, my EWI Diamond Championship is not no-rules title belt. So I guess I'm going to have to take her on in a regular match because that's kind of the matches I'm used to. I'm used to doing no-rules, hardcore. I've had a cheese grater grinded against my face before. I've went through thumbtacks. I've bled. I've done just about anything but the kitchen sink. So I guess I'm going to have to wrestle up just a regular match for, for you, but I'm more than willing to take you on regardless. Hey, I mean, I never said that I want to I, I hurt you. I said I want to be getting hurt. <laughs> well, I can't control that when there's little like a cheese grater, and you know I gotta get I gotta I gotta finish you off somehow. And if I gotta cheat, I gotta cheat. <laughs> oh well, uh, I do have to say though, uh, I haven't I haven't you know had a had a chance where I've had to use like weapons anything like that but I have I have bled in one on one or two matches I have ate a boot here and there but hey I I, I took that boot I kept going <laughs> absolutely well I'll talk to my promoters and we'll get either I come down there or you come here the match is on let's do it and uh, uh, if you do and I'll tell you what I'll, I'll make a deal with you we can get you down here we can get you booked I can uh, get you a, a good rate at uh, the hotel I work at. It's also a sponsor of our show, so I, I take care of that. Uh, if you would uh, be want to come down, we can get you booked. Oh, perfect! Listen, there, there we go. It's all set. And if I can get a little, a, a little jacuzzi tub, that'll be that'll be a little extra. <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you, uh, our. The hotel that uh, we that I work at doesn't have that, but I can get you a queen suite with uh, a queen double suite with a sofa. Oh, listen, that is that is good. I will take a I will take a a, a truck with a grilled cheese. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like me. Whenever I try and get myself over here on the show, uh, I tell everybody I work for a hot dog or a, a cup of coffee and a, a cot, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Carmen there, Chaos there is our guest here. Uh, Carmen Chaos is our guest here. We got a uh, we got a few minutes here, uh, so we can do this, uh, Carmen. Uh, before we uh, we run out of time, if our fans want to check you out, you got a Facebook, an Instagram, a YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a TikTok. What do you got? Oh, I do, and let's get ready to plug it. Here we go. Well, you can find me on Facebook at the Carmen Chaos page, or you can find me on. Facebook at the Carmen Beck page. That is my that is my name on there, and you can also find me um, Instagram at the official official Carmen Chaos. You can also buy my new T-shirt at the Pro Wrestling Key site, Carmen Chaos. You can also find me on Twitter at official Carmen K Chaos. So you can check us out and also check out any of my matches on the Big Time Pro Wrestling website. And uh, we we actually have a, a fan question that was uh, sent in to me. Uh, do you uh, now? Do you make your costumes or and design them, or do you have uh, do you have someone do those for you? I do have somebody do them for me. I have I have a small team, but let me let me see. There is a lovely person who's actually in um, Kentucky that um, designs the entrance where I have in a. And a um, couple, and a couple different things. Her name is uh, Kenneth Wayne Rains, and 
There's also this uh, brand of Gear Gal. They are the ones who uh, made my gear. And my local friend here is a graphic designer, Kayla Coleman, and she made my Karma Chaos logo. And uh, I probably shouldn't admit this, but uh, do you actually know, uh, can I tell you how we, uh, we, we discovered you or how I discovered you? Oh, sure. Go ahead. Uh, a, a good friend of the show is uh, Charlie Cruel. Are you? Uh, you know who that is? I do. And uh, we actually had her on. Um, let's see. When did we have her on? We had her on August seventh uh, of twenty twenty one, and uh, she was telling us about uh, this match that she was going to have with a uh, an awesome competitor. This is her words, not mine. Uh, uh, her next. Uh, Bout was going to be on uh, August 14, 2021. It was going to be against you, and she, that's when she told us about you. Yes, yes. Me and her had a me and her had a great match. It was great because it was a uh, it was a back to school event. So, wow, what a small world. Uh, now, who? Uh, now, were you the victor or was she? She 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 got the win. She definitely did. Uh, she. She's a more she's a more uh, scrappy girl. She is wily. <laughs> and uh, so she did. She so she was the victor. Was it? Uh, uh, how did the match go? How long was it? Oh, it was good. It was about uh, ten minutes, and uh, it was actually it was actually a really good match. Uh, she she landed one Sith uh, one a Sith kick on me and. Roll me up and got a quick win. And uh, she, well, you know, she actually predicted that she was going to be uh, victorious, and uh, apparently she uh, she kept her promise. But uh, we have Carmen Castro's guest. We ever got a few minutes here. Now, uh, as we close out here, if uh, you could give uh, one piece of advice to those that are just breaking into the business that want to follow in your footsteps, what advice would you give them? The best advice that I could that I could probably ever give would be that you would never give up because I have, as you can imagine, as a um, trans woman here in a very small town, there has there has been times where this where this has not been you know easy, but I have never stopped pushing and I've never ever given up, and that is one thing that is kind of. You know, you hear it all the time, but truly, if you never give up and believe that you can do it, you will do it. Awesome. Well, uh, Miss Chaos is our guest here. We do appreciate you taking time out of your schedule for joining us, and we'll definitely have you back on again. And uh, uh, I appreciate it, and I'll be in contact with you. We'll definitely get you on again, and uh, maybe uh, we can get you on when your opponent's on, and uh, maybe you guys can have a little battle royal here on the air. <laughs> Perfect. Listen, uh, Anastasia might, you know, that might be the that might be the perfect one because I mean I haven't heard her make many words. She's kind of scary, but I think that we'd have a great time. Awesome. Thanks, Carmen. Have a great night. We appreciate you uh, joining us, taking time out of your schedule to be with us. Thank you. Uh huh. Thank you so much. All right. Bye bye. All right, Carmen Chaos, ladies and gentlemen. Our next guest is waiting in the wings. Uh, we're going to take a quick little break here, and we will be back with the star of the night. Give us just a few seconds. Here we go. 
Ladies and gentlemen, the new clocks are here. The new clocks are here. Yes, for a limited time, you can get your very own 89.1 Ken's FM clock. For a $25 donation, you can get a classic analog round-faced clock with the 89.1 Ken's FM logo on the front. Just go to our website, www.kensfm.com, and under the More Merch tab, you will find the clocks along with numerous other new merch you can order. Get yours now while supplies last. We have these in limited quantity, so order now at www.kensfm.com. And I'll tell you what, that clock is uh, cool. It's actually the coolest uh, wedding gift I got, and I want to thank uh, uh, our region engineer, Ken, for that. And uh, he's awesome. And uh, we're speaking of that, we're on 89.1 Kent FM. Our next guest is stepping out of the green room, walking down the aisle. He is the man that's done it just about everything and knows just about everybody in Hollywood. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the man himself. He is Stephen Flem. Hey, this is Stephen Flem. You're listening to the Attitude Era Live on 89.1 Kent FM. Hey, with your host. The icon, the big swing, and Granny Hulkster. How you doing, everybody? Good, Steve. How are you? Thanks for taking time on your schedule. Uh, we're on 89.1 Kens FM. we got 39 minutes here with uh, Stephen. And uh, what I'll do, Steve, if you give us a little background about yourself, then I'll ask you a few questions. We'll do a roundtable, and then we'll come back, and uh, I'll ask you the difficult questions. Oh, my God. 39 minutes is past my bedtime. <laughs> uh, well, we'll make it quick, then. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. How y'all doing out there? Good. It's cold out here. How about uh, where you're at? Oh my God, it's uh, snow, ass deep to a tall giraffe, and cold. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, so uh, now you um, you you were a, a famous manager for a uh, a world famous entertainer. Is that correct? Well, yes. Well, yes, yes, yes I was the one and the only. Herbert Corey, also known as Tiny Tim, the most eccentric, enigmatic music icon of our time, a mystery. Now, when you uh, when you were his manager, had he uh, uh, did he do his hit song "Tiptoe Through the Tulips" uh, before you were his manager, during or after? Yeah, I'll tell you exactly. <laughs> he, he was on in uh, he did uh, "Tiptoe" uh, on uh, the Rowan and Martin show. Remember that? Yes. Yeah, that's where he became a star. Tiptoe. I was 19 years old then. It was uh, 1969, so now you know how old I am. I'm ancient. Anyway, 45 million people turned in to watch him, which was a record The Tonight Show has never broken. Even when Carson left, okay, uh, Tiny still broke his record by like two times. 45 million people turned in. I was tuned in, too at my home in Iowa with my mother and father, and I laughed all the way through the whole thing. Didn't know that in two years from that day, I would meet him and uh, start a friendship that lasted 25 years, and then I was his personal manager, and uh, he's a great guy. I miss him a lot. And uh, uh, Tiny Tim, uh, we uh, lost him on uh, November 30th of 1996, uh, yes. He uh, passed away in Minneapolis, Minnesota, um, oh, yeah. which is uh, the state right next to us. And uh, I remember how devastated uh, 
my parents were because they they told me about Tiny Tim uh, on the Johnny Carson show. But the interesting thing is, actually, I didn't know Johnny. Uh, sorry, I didn't know Tiny Tim from that. I actually knew a Tiny Tim from uh, uh, his uh, feud with uh, Jerry the King Lawler. And uh, you know a little bit about that. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I booked that gig, and I was there with him, and it was just a gas. And I worried about it, to tell you the truth, because when they called uh, McMahon, you know, from World Wrestling, and uh, said they wanted Tiny Tim, and I, I worried about it because of the image that I thought they, <clears throat> the wrestlers may have of Tiny. But uh, he assured me that everything would be cool, and it was. The wrestlers were terrific. Um, the whole situation was terrific. It was a gas. I mean, uh, one of the best gigs we ever did. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing is uh, Jerry Lawler, of course, he's made a career uh, picking on entertainers. You know, he pile-drived Andy Kaufman, and uh, (laughs) he broke the the ukulele of Tiny Tim. And, uh, you know, it's... You know, it makes you wonder why uh, he can't ever pick on anybody his own size. <laughs> I don't know, but I'll tell you, you're bringing back memories to me because, uh, I mean, the stadium was packed. It was crazy, and Tiny and I uh, and everybody was backstage, and uh, they said, here's what's going to happen, Tiny. So we rehearsed it a little bit. They're going to take your ukulele, and they're going to break the hell out of it all over the place. And Tiny went, oh, my gosh, oh, oh no, oh, no, they can't do that. It's a fake ukulele, Tiny, you know, get with the program. He was worried that they were actually going to break his ukulele. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, see, I I actually thought it was his uh, ukulele that they broke. And, of course, we know that we got to do a PG language. I know you know that. Uh, so now when he agreed to do this, I'm going to ask a couple more questions that we'll do in the roundtable. Uh, now, when, you, uh, when Tiny Tim agreed to do this and uh, – yeah. You know, you were backstage with the uh, WWD. Did anybody ever come up to you guys and say, uh, hey, you know, you're Tiny Tim, or it's really cool that you're here. Or, uh, would you play us a tune on the ukulele? Did any anything like that happen backstage? Oh, yeah, it was all, always spontaneous with Tiny. He carried his ukulele in a uh, shopping bag, you know, like you get at the grocery store. And mm-hmm. just at any given time, uh, he would have an idea. Somebody would say something. He'd just pull the ukulele out of the bag and start singing a song, you know, from the 1920s or the 1930s. He was just that kind of guy, and everybody just loved him. The wrestlers loved him. Uh, McMahon loved him. It was a great show. We had a lot of fun. And then we went to dinner later, and, you know, it was a great time in New York. Uh, Steve Lim is our guest here. We have uh, 33 minutes. Uh, now, uh, uh, Steve, we're going to introduce you to Granny Hulkster now. She is a uh, you know, she's a little older than me and Matthias, but uh, she probably might, uh, I know that she know, remembers Tiny Tim. Uh, what do you have for our guest there, Granny? Uh, go ahead. Well, welcome to the show. And I was born in 1962, so in 1969 I would have been about seven years old. But, yes, I do remember Tiny Tim and Tiptoe Through the Tulips. So <laughs> I do yeah. remember that quite well. <laughs> nice to meet you on the phone here, Granny. Well, nice to meet you too. So, I I I can only imagine the stories that you must have over the years that you managed him, and uh, you know the things that you did. And you know when you mentioned, you know 
the you know the wrestling. I mean, I'm a big wrestling fan, so I can almost imagine what that must have been like. Can you share some of the stories that that took place, or one of the stories that might have, that took place? You know, when he was a part of that. Oh sure. I mean, like the show was a gas. After the show, you know, uh, we went into the city and we were at the Plaza Hotel. And uh, Trump came by and said hi. Anyway, there's it, the Oak Room is a famous Oak Room at the Plaza Hotel, right? Mm-hmm. Just, you know, famous, right? Every star in the world has been there. And we went in there and we had a drink after the show. And uh, all the Broadway shows broke out. I'm telling you, I couldn't believe it, okay? There, were, there was a line, double line, I'll bet 50, 60 feet of people. You know, they have their tuxedos on and their jewelry rattling and they all came up to the table they wanted to meet tiny tim because they'd all seen him okay and this the thing was always the same i saw you married to miss vicky oh my gosh so can i have your autograph it was mayhem right at the plaza it was (laughs) terrific that's awesome that's awesome and uh let's see he got married on the uh tonight show right Yep, 45 million viewers, married to Miss Vicky. Uh, and again, to digress, I was only 19 years old at the time. Uh, that was 69. And then two years later, uh, through a friend, I met Tiny on the phone. I booked him. I was an agent, you know, a young agent. And I booked him in a small club. Now, dig this, man, in Waterloo, Iowa. Okay? That's where I met him. And I was so excited. You know, he was a giant star. <laughs> You know, and I took my mother and my father and my wife. You know, it was an event. You know, and as soon as I met him, as soon as I met him in the dressing room, I knew we had a connection. He took off his tie and autographed it and gave it to my mother and put it around her neck. Uh, she had it till her dying day. <laughs> wow. He was a great guy. Have any of you, uh, just a question, have any of you read my book, Tiny Tim and Mr. Plim? Well, yeah, we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to oh. talk about that in a little bit. But uh, Matthias has a few questions, and then, we'll, then we're going to talk about your book. Go ahead, Matthias. What do you got? Well, sure. I just first want to say thank you for coming on to the show. It's a, it's a pleasure talking to you. Um, my to main here, question guys. I would – yeah, uh, my I guess one of my main questions to you would be um, – could there be one performance you could think of that he did, like a like a certain place that he performed at, or or something where you just felt like he was on top of the world, or like not even like where the biggest crowd was, like or just like where he performed like the best, one of his best performances? Uh, could you name one? Well, it's hard to pick one out because every time he went on stage, guys, he gave it everything. You know, he you know he was just a troubadour. Uh, but I, if you pin me down to one, I guess this, okay? I talked him into uh, moving from New York City uh, to Des Moines, Iowa, where I live. And he said, what? I said, Tiny, it'll be bigger <laughs> than a hit record. It'll be bigger than a hit record. So I put press releases all out all over the world. We had everybody calling, you know, The Tonight Show, Larry King, everybody, because they couldn't believe Tiny Tim this weird falsetto singing, and they thought weirdo, moves to Des Moines, Iowa? Oh, my God. So it was bigger than a hit record. I mean, it just put him back on the map in the big time, okay? It resurrected 
a falling career at the time. And so the best performance, I guess, was that night opening in Des Moines, Iowa, at the showroom at the Holiday Inn South in in, in uh, Des Moines, Iowa. Because I sat there and I cried. I, I mean, tears, man, because worked so hard to get him here and everything. And all of Des Moines turned out, and all of the national press turned out, and his gig was just awesome. So the answer to your question is the very best one, I guess, is the first time I moved him to Des Moines as a gimmick, a show business gimmick. But, man, it was great. That's uh, awesome. Stephen Flynn's our guest here. We've got about uh, 28 minutes. Now we're going to talk a little bit about the book. But now when you when you talked to him and moving uh, to Des Moines, uh, did he say, uh, okay, so you gotta come, uh you got to come pack up all my stuff, uh, you got to load the minivan yourself, and uh, you gotta you got to uh, unpack everything for me. Did it happen like that? Not at all. Tiny Man was like uh, a gypsy, okay? Uh, four or five suitcases, <laughs> some duffel bags, okay? And I picked him up at the airport. Got him the hotel. We made a nice deal at a suite in a hotel for him. It was big news here, man. Des Moines, Iowa, are you kidding? Tiny Tim moves here. That was my whole thing, my PR deal. And it worked. And I want to tell you something. All my peer groups, okay, agents, managers, uh, producers all over the country I talked to, and they laughed at me. They said it'll never work. Well, by God, we proved them wrong. It worked. It put Tiny Tim back on the map and went back to the Tonight Shows and all, and Larry King and uh, the wrestling and all the rest. It was wonderful. And uh, Tiny Tim, uh, you know, you you wrote the book. Uh, yeah. Kind of tell us a little bit about, about that uh, and uh, how how the book came about. And did you just tell Tiny Tim I want to want to write a book about you? Tell, kind of tell us about the book. Well, uh, long story short, I met a, a publisher in my travels. Tiny always told me he says, "Mr. Plim," and he called everybody "Mr." or "Miss." Okay. He was so respectful. I mean, I was his manager and personal friend for 25 years. He never called me Steve, never called me Stephen, always Mr. Plim. And I, I said, I want to move you to Des Moines, Iowa. It's going to be the biggest. All he said is, really? Do you really want me to? I said, Tiny, trust me. And here's a joke, Tiny always says, I trust you, Mr. Plim, but I don't trust the devil within you. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that's funny. that's funny now uh now when did uh when did the the book came out and how can uh our fans get it okay uh it came out in november of 2004 okay and we did uh, i did my uh book launch my national book launch at the improv in hollywood and packed house stars everywhere and we were on stage. We did a, a kind of a Johnny Carson-type thing, tribute to Tiny Tim. And George Schlatter, great guy, you know, the executive producer and founder of Laugh-In, and many Laugh-In cast members were with me on stage. And we talked about the book and Tiny Tim. It was like an hour-and-a-half thing, packed house. Uh, we, fo- we followed Jerry Seinfeld and turned over the crowd, and it was just unbelievable. That's awesome. Stephen Flynn's our guest here on 89.1 Ken's FM. we got 25 minutes here with uh, the man. Now, I'm kind of curious, how did uh, Tiny Tim end up in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota? 
Well, I'll tell you. Uh, every April 12th, I would have a birthday party at my home in Des Moines for Tiny. No matter where we traveled all over the world, we always came back to Des Moines, made sure we were there for his birthday. So here's April 12th, my house in Des Moines. I had everybody there, you know, all my friends, relatives, for Tiny's birthday. And he's late, late. And I get a call. He goes, Mr. Clem, I'm sorry I'm late. And I'm screaming. I'm going, Tiny, where Get your butt over here. Where are you? Everybody's here. You're late. He says, Mr. Plim, I met a girl. She's lovely from Minneapolis. We're on our way down there, and Mr. Plim, she drives a gold Mercedes. <laughs> wow. I said, okay, hurry up. Well, that was Miss Sue. Okay. His uh, Susan guy. Gardner, yeah, they got married in uh, 95, I do believe. Yeah, in Minneapolis. And, uh, that's and uh, the first uh, time we're, I met her. And he said, Mr. Plim. Were you his best man? Well, I was supposed to be, but check this out. I was in Maine at the time. And you know what gout is of the foot? (laughs) Yes, I do. Yeah, well, I had gout of the foot in both feet. I couldn't even walk. So they had to change all their plans. And, you know, I'm in the program book and all that kind of stuff. But I I couldn't make the damn wedding, you know? Well, you know, I'll tell you what, Steve. I uh, I know what it's like uh, to have uh, your close personal friends not make it to your wedding. Uh, uh, Big Swing didn't make it to mine, uh, and Granny didn't make it to mine, but uh, Matthias did, and uh, he could have been the head of security there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, Stephen Williams, our guest here, and uh, we're on eighty-nine point one Kansas FM. We got about uh, twenty-three minutes. Now, you've uh, you've uh, done other uh, things other than uh, with Tiny Tim. You've been involved with uh, a, a lot of other uh, big celebrities. Uh, can you kind of tell us who uh, who else you've been with? Well, I've been fortunate to be very fortunate, blessed to be with uh, many of them. I mean. Uh, Smoking Joe Frazier, world champion boxer, right? Remember Smoking Joe? <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. And him and Ali and all the fights. You know, I was Smoking Joe's agent and uh, promoter for several years. Jer- I'm dating myself. Jerry Mathers, remember Leave It to Beaver? It's still in syndication. Oh, yeah. Beaver. Beaver Cleaver. Yeah, Beaver, yep. man. Me and, me and Beaver did the, the whole thing. Jerry Mathers. Okay. And uh, Clayton Moore, the Lone Ranger, the original Lone Ranger mm-hmm. from TV. Yeah. Yeah, I was his agent for many years. I was fortunate enough, guys, to handle so many great people, so many great artists. And then along the way, you meet, because you're in that, you know, you're in that club, that scene in Hollywood and New York, and you meet this person and that person because you have, you know, because you're doing something with a star. So... Uh, met a lot of stars, a lot of celebrities, worked with a lot of them, and, uh, you know, I'm blessed. So, uh, Stephen, I guess my next question is, uh, if uh, someone uh, wanted uh, you to be their agent, uh, I could I could use one. Uh, what, uh, what does <laughs> one have to do to have you be their agent? Send money. <laughs> 
Well, you know, if I sell you everything, I, if I sell everything I own, I can probably buy you lunch. But yeah. uh, <laughs> that's Burger King at most. <laughs> well, at least it's not the Dollar Tree, right? <laughs> <laughs> not wrong. No, you know, uh, you know. It, well, no, you know. Speaking of uh, the boxing thing, uh, we just uh, our first guest of the night um, was Jack O'Halloran, and he was telling us about how he had matches with uh, George Foreman and Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Yeah, cool. And, and you know, if I'm George Foreman, you mentioned his name because uh, you know I asked uh, I asked Joe. I said, "You fought so many people, okay? Your story, everybody knows you worldwide. Who was the toughest fighter you ever had? Just tell me." He says, "George Foreman." I said, "What?" He says, "He says way tougher than Ali." He says, "When George Foreman gave you an uppercut." You could actually feel your feet leave the ground with air in between. <laughs> mm. uh, and I guess uh, th- those punches were because uh, uh, before the, the, his opponent got hit, they said, that, you know, that, that George Homer girlfriend will never go over. <laughs> well, it's like the old saying. And, I, and by the way, I want to shout out for just a second uh, to my go son. Ahead. And his girlfriend in Omaha, Nebraska. Okay, and I was talking mm-hmm. to him about being on your show, and uh, it goes back to what they call you in the old days: canvasback or slugger. <laughs> right. So, uh, so now we have uh, new fans listening in Nebraska. That's uh, that's really cool. Uh, Stephen Williams, right I guess now. here we got. Yeah, Stephen Williams, I guess here we got 19 minutes. So now. Steve, kind of take us through uh, what uh, what you're keeping busy with nowadays. Well, number one, I'm writing a, my second book. <laughs> I hope it's a hit. And that's uh, that's where we're, we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. Uh, so you're writing your book. We're going to talk about that. But uh, uh, we'll just kind of curb the book here for just a little bit. And what other projects you got going on? And I know that, uh, like like I tell everybody, this has got to be one of the highlights of your career, meeting me. And you know what? You're right. There you go. It's recorded. Is there? <laughs> by the way, you know when when we're speaking right now, is there a delay or or not? No, uh, we don't have that. We don't have delay. That's why we got to use PG, PG language. Okay, great, man. I got you. I understand. <laughs> All right. So, uh, well, okay. So we'll talk about the book now. Uh, you, you're writing the book. Uh, what What is the book called? Catch a Fallen Star. Catch a falling star, and uh, uh, what, what's, tell us a little bit of what it's about. Okay, my I'm about halfway through it, okay, and it's called Catch a Fallen Star, not Falling Star. Catch a Fallen Star, Fallen Star, right? And this is about the the whole concept of this book is about all of the entertainers, whether they be singers, actors. Um, or sports people, because I've handled a lot of sports stars also. Um, They go up, they're a star, everybody knows them in the world, and they make a ton of money, and then they start to come down, okay? In the public image, in money, finances, whatever. And I've met so many of them, and worked with so many of them, and they're interesting stories, man, and some are very sad. Some are very sad. 
Um, a little bit of humor, too, but some are very sad because once you reach a pinnacle, uh, whether you're a singer, rock star, uh, football player, or whatever, you're used to a certain lifestyle and certain money and signing autographs. And when that doesn't happen anymore, man, it affects these people in so many different ways, but many of them sad. So my book is called Catch a Fallen Star, about all the celebrities that I've met that were at one time at the pinnacle and then coming down, and I met them, and we did business together or whatever. It's, so that's my book, Catch a Fallen Star, and uh, hope everybody buys it out there when it comes out. Well, uh, when is uh, and uh, if you if we haven't uh, scared you away too much, we'd love to have you come back on and talk about the book for its well, I'd release. Love to, I'd love to. I'm, I'm so happy that you guys called me, and it was several, oh, I don't know, two three months ago, and uh, I put it on my calendar. And man, here I am, and it's great talking to you guys. You know, and I looked you guys up. Man, what a what a show! What a you know, I can't give you enough accolades. I, I looked over your history on uh, your station. Way to go. And more power to you and success. And uh, I'm, I'm going to ask this, if I could uh, do this a favor. First off, what chapter uh, in the book uh, am I going to be in? And the other question <laughs> is, uh, uh, you know how, uh, you know, people um, uh, have, uh, you know, authors have people write like little uh things at the back of the book about what the book is about everything i would be yep. honored if you would let me write uh one of those and then i guarantee it'll become a number one bestseller here in fargo north dakota and that's the only I love place you. <laughs> you're my kind of guy i love you i'll send money okay you can have my firstborn whatever i love it you guys are great well i'll tell you what here, here here's what I'll, here's what i'll ask if you let me, if you let me write a little, a uh, little segment about uh, about the book uh, that you can put on the back of the book with my name on it, uh, the only thing I ask in return is I get an autographed copy of the book, and you come back on the show to promote it, and then uh, you let everybody know how we're good buddies, and uh, you don't mind me calling you at two, three, four, five in the morning, like most no, of us do. Honey, Tiny Tim used to do that to me all the time, so I'm. I was used to it because he'd call me at 3 in the morning and 4 in the morning with his problems or whatever. So you're welcome, and, yes, you got whatever you want. <laughs> awesome. And uh, I will uh, um, uh, tomorrow afternoon, since it looks like I'm going to be off work tomorrow, I'm going to call uh, – i got to call Jack, and I'm going to call you uh, tomorrow afternoon, and we'll, uh, we'll talk about that. When is the book uh, slated for release, do you know, offhand? I have uh, honest to God, I have no idea because, okay, I mean, my publisher, you know, you, writing a book, uh, <coughs> I'm, I'm no giant author. I write about what I know. I wrote about Tiny Tim, and it was a big hit. So now I want to write about Fallen Stars, and I think it will interest people and draw people in. Interesting people and what they lived and their worries and their cares and um how they were going to make a living when they dropped out of, you know, a $10 million mansion, and now they're living in an apartment. You, you get it? It's, like, unbelievable. So I don't know when that's going to – I'm only halfway through, halfway through my book, okay? I expect in six months – and it takes that long, guys. 
in six months, I'll, I'll be done. And then we go to publishing, editing, publishing. You know, it's a, it's a it's a it's a thing that they got to do. But uh, I hope to be out in six or seven months, uh, done with the book, and uh, then we'll see where it goes. You know, I'm. I hope God's with me. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Steve, why don't we do this? And I'll understand if uh, you, you wouldn't be able to do it right now. But uh, why don't we do this? Let me put you on our schedule for December 19, 2022. Uh, and then we'll, we'll bring you back on and we'll uh, talk about where you're at with the book. And uh, we'll, we'll get you back on at that time. And we'll uh, talk more about uh, how the book is coming and uh, what, uh, uh, how little print my story is in your book. No, I love that, man, and thank you very much. I'll be there, and uh, all you got to do is call me um, on your show. You guys are great, and uh, again, a few months more, man, I'll have my second book out, and uh, we'll go from there, but a lot of interesting stories, uh, some happy, some sad, but I know it will draw people in because everybody I'm going to talk about, okay, everybody knows. They have their own perception. Uh of those stars, okay? But I'm going to give you the inside stuff, the real deal. I was there. Here's what happened. You know, and that's the difference between me and some other author that goes and writes about somebody, and they, they, they weren't with them. I was with these people. Okay? Just like with Tiny Tim and Mr. Plim, okay? These are behind-the-scenes stories, true. And Tiny Tim told me, I'll tell you, he says, Mr. Plim, if I die before you, you write a book, he says, tell it all. Don't leave anything out. And believe me, I left nothing out. Tiny Tim and Mr. Plim tells it all. Uh, our 25-year trip <laughs> of friendship, engagements, and behind the scenes, fly on the wall that nobody, and I'm telling you nobody, can tell because I was the only one there with him. Now, uh I was going to ask you a little bit about that. Uh, we have Stephen Lewis, I guess, here. We've got 11 minutes here. Uh, then uh, they're going to uh, pull the plug on us till next week. But my, my question is, Steve, uh, if if you can uh, let us know or if you want to keep it secret till you come back on with us, of all the stories that you're telling, can you tell us in right now, if you can, uh, who has the saddest story that you're going to tell? And who's got the happiest story that you're going to talk about in the book? Wow, that's a great question, guy. Wow. Oh, I got you just got me on that one. The saddest and the happiest, huh? Okay, the saddest is this. I remember this, okay? Uh, do you know who Ray Peterson is? Most people don't if you just say Ray Peterson. But if I say this to you, tell Laura I love her. Tell Laura I need her. Remember that? Yes. And his second, Karina, Karina. Karina, Karina. I love you so. Yep. Okay. Ray Peterson in the uh, 59 or 1960s, right in there, had those hits. And his biggest one was Tell Laura I Love Her. Almost everybody knows that, even if they weren't old enough to know it. Okay? So I'm managing Ray Peterson, a southern gentleman. Okay. He had polio when he was young, and he had to have a cane, but he didn't call it a cane. It was a walking stick, you know? And, right. Uh, okay, Ray's at my office. Long story short, Ray's at my office, and he goes, Steve, i got to have some new boots, white 
patent leather boots for you know for stage. Is there anywhere in town that we can get them? Okay, and I go. I took him out to a mall. We sit down, and they're trying boots on Ray Peterson, who at one time was a giant star, you know, with coliseums. Right now he's playing clubs. Okay, and here's this little girl, probably like 19 or 20 years old, trying boots on Ray Peterson. Right, and this is the saddest, okay? And she's talking. He goes, watch this. Everybody listen to this. He goes, don't you know who I am? And the little girl goes, no. And he goes, I'm Ray Peterson. I'm Ray Peterson. That didn't mean anything to her. So he started to say, here's my hits. Tell I know the feeling. I love her. And, man, I couldn't. That was the saddest. Here he is, used to be a giant star with Elvis Presley and all those people, right, and Ricky Nelson, right, Mm -hmm. telling a little girl who he is to get some kind of accolade, and she had no idea. That was very, very sad, man. (laughs) You know, know, my actual uh, favorite song of his was featured in the movie La Bamba, Good Night, My Love, Pleasant Dreams. Uh, It was actually my favorite song of his. I'm trying to think now. Uh, um, the Wonder of You, remember that? Yes. Uh, that was one of his, uh, was his biggest hits, yes. Yeah, that was his third hit, The Wonder of You. Okay? And he told me, and it was a great story, he says, he says, uh, Steve, you're never going to believe this. The Wonder of You, a big hit for him. And Elvis Presley loved it so much, okay? He came to raise house. Okay? to his house out of respect and said, I want to do that song. Will you give me permission to do that song? Well, Presley didn't need his permission to do that song, Okay, but out of respect to Ray, he did. And he, Ray said, I cried. He says, of course, it's yours. And then, of course, you know, uh, you know, Elvis did The Wonder of You. It was giant, you know. And, uh, yeah, we unfortunately lost Ray on uh, January 25th of 2005, 17 years ago. Uh, so, we're, you know, we just recently had the anniversary of his passing. Uh, so we got uh, Stephen Lemons, our guest here. We got six minutes left. So that was the says. What would you say is the happiest uh, story? Mm. Boy, you know how to ask the questions that really get me, man, right in the gut. Because... You know, I love your show. You guys never tell me what you're going to ask, and I love that. So you just got to think. The happiest of the fallen stars, is that the question? Right, right. It's a tough one, I know. Like I said, I was yeah, going to ask the tough question. No, I love it, man. You know, you make me think. God damn it. Um, excuse my French. Uh Probably the happiest was uh, with uh, Joe Frazier. Um, the happiest moment that I had with the old stars like that was with Joe Frazier when we actually, I mean, we did all kinds of things, promotions, shows, and all that kind of stuff. But one night we sat down at his home, 
in Philadelphia, right? In Philly. Mm-hmm. And you know, I thought I was going to, when he invited me to his home, right? Me and my partner and my lawyer came, right? We we're going to do some deals. And uh, I thought there's going to be this big, palatious home, you know, $5 million home or something like that, right? You know where he lived, man? Upstairs from no. his gym. Yeah. Really? And no, uh, yeah, you walked like 82 steps up, you know, from the gym. You were dead when you got up. And right at the, you know, the top of the stairs, this is in his gym in the ghetto, in the ghetto in Philly, right? That's his home forever. And wow. you walk up, and right when you get to the top of the stairs, picture it. Here's a big bust with a spotlight on it of him <laughs> with the with the belt around his belly, the championship belt, you know. And we walk in, and it's a great big wide open area, huge. And right away you see a bar like in a restaurant, only it's like ten times bigger. Huge bar. <laughs> it was like. And when we sat down and talked, and he had uh, tapes on, uh, you know, videos of his fights, there were captain chairs there, right? And you could sit in each captain chair, however many people were there, and watch his fights. So wow. That, yeah, and it was like, I, I couldn't even believe it, right? And uh, he's talking about his fights and what happened, and here's this one. I mean, I'm talking four or five hours of just sitting there in captain's chairs watching his show, and he looked over at me. He looked over at me, man, and uh, he said, I want to tell you how happy I am to meet you. I said, well, me too, champ, you know? Me too, Smoke. He goes, no, you don't get it. He says, I've been with so many bad people that want to just take me and use me for what I am. He said, you're one of the few people, Steve, that really dig what I'm doing and see what I'm doing and you have the emotion and the affinity for me and I want you to handle me. I want to do business with you. And there were tears in his eyes, man. And of course, then mine, because it was so, I know right now on the radio, maybe people can't see that, but to me, and to him at that time, I'm telling the story to you guys. He, he really meant it, and that meant a lot. I mean, can you even believe how much that meant to me? Smoking Joe Frazier, giving me accolades and wants me to handle him because he trusts wow. me. That, that is was, insane. Okay. That is awesome. <laughs> well, so that, now, was uh, that was happy. <laughs> so now, did uh, did you ever say to him... Uh, Everybody's talking about Joe Frazier. Don't talk about Joe Frazier. I'll tell you, man. Remember, uh, funny story. Funny, funny story on Joe Frazier for you and your viewers. Okay, you'll love this. Okay, the very first time I met him. Okay, are you there? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the very first time I met him, I hired him uh, to do a show for me as a PR thing. I had a big venue. Anyway. I pick him up at the airport. We got the limo, right? And we're driving down, and I just met him. And he says, there's a Burger King. I love Burger King. Stop in here. I want stop there. I want a burger. We pulled in, right? We're driving down, and he's eating a hamburger, man. 
And I'm asking him questions like I'm a 12-year-old because I followed him with all these fights and everything. And I just, you know, I was mesmerized that I was even with him. You know, I was so proud, right? And I said, I got to ask you something, Smoke. All the times that you and Ali fought and called each other names and we were going to kill each other and all that kind of stuff, right? I said, was that real? Was that real? Or was that show business promotion? Please tell me. And he said, let me tell you something, kid. <laughs> and he was only a few years older than me, so we we're about this, but he called me kid. He goes, he pulls his coat open, right? And he, because I asked him about him and Ollie, and he pulls his coat open and takes out a gun. He said, you see wow. that? I said, yeah. And he's eating a hamburger, and he pulls his gun out. We're in the limo. First time I ever met him, right? He says, you want to know about Ali? He says, see this gun? I could shoot that N-word and still keep he- eating my hamburger right now. I wow. Said, Whoa. I said, what? He says, no. He says, in the beginning it was show business, back and forth. He says, but he got two series. He called me a monkey. He made, uh, he made uh, fun of my wife, my daughter, my grandchildren, he went too far. He says, I'd like to kill him right now. And he had the gun out. I said, okay, I guess I got that. <laughs> I feel you. I'm not going to say anything else. Well, awesome. Oh, man. Well, uh, I was sitting there. You know, what do you do? What do you say? <laughs> yeah, well, we, we got about the 30 seconds here. Uh, we do yep. thank you for being on our show, Steve, and uh, I will uh, chat with you uh, probably after the show here for a little bit. And um, yep. and we'll definitely have you back on in December. And uh, like I say, I would uh, I would be honored to write a little segment on your book because uh, you've uh, brought so much joy to us and uh, helping promote our show and helping promote Ken's FM. We do appreciate it, and we do thank you for being on with us. Well, you're welcome. And hey, same back at you guys. Thank you for having me. You guys are gentlemen, and you're you're, you're all a class act. I can't. I want to do business with you anytime I can. So uh, there you go. And thank you for having me. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it, Steve. Thank you. Uh huh. Good night, All right. everybody. Stephen. Stephen Flynn, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, another great show. And uh, next week will be even bigger. So uh, check out uh, Ken's page. Check out our page to find out who's going to be on next week. Uh, Matthias will be back. And uh, rumor is that we'll have uh, another local wrestling promotion on to talk to us about uh, what's going on. Uh, But in the meantime, uh, check us out, 89.1 Ken's FM page on Facebook, uh, Off the Roads page on Facebook. Do a $10 donation, Power of the Tower. We appreciate uh, you listening, and be safe, uh, be nice to each other, and we will see you all back here again next week. As always, thank you for listening. You think you know me.
Australian music has found a home in Minnesota and North Dakota. Tune in every Sunday between 4 and 6pm for the download with Jeff. That's me. I'm your resident Aussie DJ, bringing you the best new, old and amazing independent Australian music. I look forward to your company, 4 to 6pm Sunday, right here on 89.1 KNNZ, Ken's FM, Hawley, Fargo, Moorhead. are in my head, but I can't enunciate them clearly. Headphones on your head, they prevent a chance to even try. 